Hi, and welcome to ADHD Friendly. I'm Patty. I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm the creator of the ADHD Friendly membership platform. Find out more at ADHDfriendly.com. I'm noticing my hair is a little uh, falling out there. Going to just tidy it up if you're watching this on video. Everything in ADHD Friendly is designed to tilt the playing field in favor of ADHD brains and I just invite you to check it out and see if ADHD friendly will support you to get more from what you're looking for in your life. All right. This is episode 94. My trusty assistant is back last week. She wasn't here because I was sick and I was trying to protect her from my illness, <laughs> but she's back while I'm recording this time. And yeah. Becca, 94 Six episodes to hundred. Crazy. Got something special planned for hundred. Of course you do. All right. Today, I'm going to start with a celebration about exercising while you're sick. And then I have an ADHD friendly tool that I'm going to share from LL Bean of all places. And then my topic today is boredom and ADHD. So I'm going to talk about why it's so much more impactful when you have ADHD brain wiring and some strategies to tolerate it with a bit more ease. And then as always, I'll share some highlights about what's coming up in the next episode. But let's jump in with my celebration. As always, celebrations, remember, they build up our energy and they get the the brain fired up so that we're able to do the thing we're trying to do with more ease. So so I always start everything with a celebration. And this is just a um, kind of a celebration, Becca, because I'm acknowledging I broke my streak Mm -hmm. and I'm acknowledging that as a celebration because I was really struggling when I was sick. I had like over 102 fever. I was like, down for the count. But I just kept thinking, I don't want to break my streak. Maybe I can get outside for 23 minutes. <laughs> and I just couldn't. I just couldn't. So I'm I'm celebrating that I let that go. My fear was I have a very all or nothing brain. And my fear was that if I didn't keep the streak going and I broke the chain, that I wouldn't come back. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's just typically been my um, pattern. I do really well if I keep going. If something interrupts it, I have a really hard time. I'm kind of like, oh, well, I guess that's it. Kind of like when I ran the half marathon done. <laughs> and I barely ran again after that, but I'm celebrating that I did not push myself to do it when I was really too sick to do it. I didn't walk for two days, but then I got right back on that proverbial horse and went back to walking. But here's the thing. So the days I didn't walk were over a weekend, they were a Saturday and Sunday. I was sick for the whole weekend. Not great time to be sick, but great. Cause it didn't interrupt my work. So half a dozen, whatever that saying is. All right. Monday, as you guys know, if you listen to my podcast regularly, I have a a really well-established longer than my walking routine, yoga um, routine that I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings. And I got up Monday morning and was not, I mean, not feeling it. But again, I have this really well-established, I'm in like I want to say like my 94th or 95th week, some crazy number. It's really close to when I started the podcast that I started this um, yoga routine of not missing a single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday and all of that time. So I literally Googled, and this is my main celebration. I Googled because you guys know I'm a yoga with Adrian's like super fan. Um, I, I Googled yoga when you're sick and wouldn't you know, Adrian had it. Amazing. Absolutely had it. Had a whole, there was a 20 minute routine. I found I was not up to 20 minutes, but I knew I could do five. And that's what I did. I did five minutes on Monday. I did five minutes on Tuesday. I did the last 10 minutes on Wednesday. And by Thursday, I was able to go back and do a pretty normal routine. 
but it kept me going. And what I found really surprising was because she literally focused the routine that she did on when you're sick. The very first thing that we did that Monday mm-hmm. had to do with like stretching your neck and your back. And I was so sore from coughing so much oh, that it was really, I felt so much better even after just five minutes of it. It opened you up. It opened up. It was lovely. And I was like, you go, Adrian. So I just want to do a, a celebration that I found a way, but I found a way with the tools that I've been employing to support myself over the course of the last year and a half. So I wanted to just share what I did work for me. I got my five minutes in. Something is always more than nothing and it kept the trend going. So rest when you need to, but to get back into those routines or to continue with the routines, maybe modifying them so that, you know, I couldn't do the 23 and 23 for 20 minutes, 23 minutes outside. There was no modifying that. Couldn't check that box, but I could do five minutes of yoga when you're sick, instead of expecting myself to do a full yoga routine or not doing anything at all. So thank you yoga with Adrian for having my back with a modification around how to do yoga when you're sick. All right. That's my celebration. Get some good energy there. Ooh. Yep. All right. On to my ADHD friendly tool. This is an LL bean tool that I'm going to highlight. If you're already a fan of LL bean, you might already know about their boat and totes, but if you're not, I'm going to share why I love them so much. Becca, you know how much I love these because I've been carrying these around for as long as you've known me. So this is a medium sized boat and tote. What I love about this is they have them where they're open and there's no, um, no zipper. Mm-hmm. I love the ones that zip because these are like my go-to, um, for travel. I'll tuck my purse in here, my carry on my laptop, different things that I'm going on a plane, but I can zip it tight and it fits underneath the seat in front of me. So this is always my, um, my carry on item, my personal carry-on item. It fits perfectly, goes through its canvas. It's really durable. My only complaint is it doesn't have any pockets, Mm. but I have found how to make do with other tools from LL Bean. And the other is their little boat and toe zip out. I I love it. So this little guy, I don't know how long they've had it because I only just discovered it recently. Um, There's seven (laughs) different colors. It has the zip top. I find it's the perfect size for my knitting projects. I use these traveling and at home, but you can also use them to put toiletries in when you're traveling, tuck them in the little um, boat and tote bigger bag. And look at this one. It's just lovely. And it's just, for me, it's the perfect size for my socks. So I'll put my little socks. I have my little pattern tucked in there and it's just easy for me to take it out and work on it, keep the yarn in there and just tuck it back in when I'm done tuck my little needles in the needles don't poke through. Cause I noticed that with some other bags, I was using the needles for poking through because when you're not knitting socks, oh, the needle is so small, it'll poke through and that's not fun. So, um, just want to highlight these. I can't I honestly don't have the price for the larger tote because I've had that forever, but these little guys I've just started buying. I have two and I almost like want one of each. These are only 1995 and they're all little beans. So they're, they're good quality and they zip. I just love them so much. So I wanted to just share that in case you're looking for something to corral your things in. And I love the, the variety of choices they give for the larger totes. They have multiple colors. Some of them, I have a solid blue one. That's actually larger. Mm-hmm. I use it for a beach tote. And that one does actually have a little side little pocket, so like a phone in or something. Um, but they also, this is the long straps. So I want to highlight that because when I first 
got into these, I bought one with the short straps. Oh, not a fan personally. I want to hold this over my shoulder. So I need the long straps. I just want to highlight they come in long straps, but they also come in like a smaller, like shorter strap. Um, Just love them so much. So I wanted to highlight them as an ADHD friendly tool. All right. I just looked down. My papers are out of order. I say recap, not on recap. <laughs> I am on my topic. So our topic for today is ADHD and boredom. So the best way that I've heard boredom described for the way it impacts an ADHD brain is comparing boredom to ADHD brains is like kryptonite to Superman. Ooh. It can literally be actually painful. And often because we have this this real discomfort at the experience of boredom will avoid it even anticipatory wise. So like we'll, we'll resist shifting gears. So maybe you're doing something exciting. You're, you're having a good conversation or you're playing a game or watching, you know, kind of Netflix rolling from one episode to the other, but you really need to go to sleep. It's so difficult to ask your brain to go from something it's interested in to transition to something that it's perceiving is going to be boring And remember, your brain is designed to protect you. So even though it really isn't in the long run protecting you, it feels as though it is because like, oh, I don't want to go do that because that's going to be uncomfortable. So we have to really approach boredom in an ADHD friendly way to be able to manage it. So it's not getting in our way. doesn't mean that you should never expect yourself to be bored. We're going to talk about some strategies to tolerate boredom, maybe even lean into it a little bit. So first, let's start with the definition of boredom. I love definitions. <laughs> a little side note. I just finished a book. Here's my little ADHD segue called the dictionary of lost words. Ooh. It just had me so appreciate. It was all about the very first um, dictionary that was compiled in the Oxford dictionary. Yeah. It took, no, I'm not gonna remember the years because I'm terrible at numbering, but like, I want to say like 67 years or some crazy amount of time to make the first dictionary. It took like literally years to do A and B. And then like, mul- like yeah. every letter was like multiple and they kept putting out these different versions. And I think there was 17 or 18 different volumes by the time it was done. Oh the first, gosh. and they only put out the second volume in 1986 or 89. I can't remember. Wow. Ever. Yeah. And they added 5,000 more words. I think I how many words have been added like how many more new words there are just with all of the new technologies. So then apparently they're working on the third volume right now. I don't think it's going to be printed and maybe it is, but most people will just access that digitally because yeah. it's, it's almost like buying, like I said, an encyclopedia. But anyway, definition there, I'm wrapping back around. <laughs> That's another celebration I got back. Okay. <laughs> um, boredom is defined as a state of being weary and restless through lack of interest. Okay. So Dr. William Dotson, who is a world-renowned specialist in the area of ADHD, says that ADHD is an interest-based nervous system. And he says, when we're interested and engaged, we can do anything. So, and Becky, you're going to have to put up the ICNUP because I'm going to circle back. Dotson also is the, um, the person that introduced me to the ICNUP model to help with engaging your brain. So that's a whole strategy. Um, and we talked about that in a previous episode, mm-hmm. Becca will put up the number. Um, so again, if you're listening to this, check out the YouTube ADHD friendly podcast. If you would like to watch and see any of the visuals I'm sharing. Um, so everybody gets bored from time to time. This is a normal human experience, but for individuals with ADHD, it happens more frequently and we do not tolerate it 
as easily. So other people are like, all right, you're bored. I remember my kids used to come and tell me that they were bored. And I just had this visceral, like, okay, it's not my job to entertain you all the time. But what I came to learn, and this is before I really understood ADHD the way I do now, I was going to pay for it if they were bored. Like they, they literally would create, tr- you know, stress and, and drama to alleviate the boredom. And that was never like coming out about it from like, Oh, let me go be creative. Then <laughs> it was like, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. And it was just not being able to kind of sit and tolerate the boredom. Research shows there are higher rates of boredom and higher rates of intensity from boredom. And that that's a core symptom of people with ADHD. So it really is a challenge. And it's a challenge that we feel more strongly than people that don't have our brain wiring. So there are five different types of boredom that have been identified. Five. Five. It can help to know what type of boredom you're experiencing. So I'm going to get to skip an overview. Um, but also just want to highlight it really, for me, I don't think about these in terms of which boredom am I experiencing? I think about how uncomfortable am I with my boredom? And that's what it's for me. That's what it's getting to. But I'm going to share what the five types of boredom are. So number one is indifferent. So this one's actually a slightly positive boredom. It's um, when a person who is calm and withdrawn from their external world. So it could look like I'm just relaxing okay. right? because I'm not doing anything, but I'm not looking to do anything either. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, it's also called cheerful fatigue. And so I think about this, like when I compare it to like when I went on the cruise with my husband and um, I was sitting on the deck and I wasn't doing anything, but I didn't want to be doing anything. Okay. So it's kind of this like slightly positive boredom. Mm-hmm. Okay. In that's indifferent. Number two is calibrating boredom. This one's called slightly unpleasant and it's characterized by wandering thoughts. So you don't quite know what to do. So it's, I describe this as me without a plan where I have open time, but I don't quite know what I want to do with it. And so it feels slightly unpleasant because I'm not quite sure what I want to do. And it's, so I'm not just relaxed and kind of enjoying that, um, you know, kind of feeling that sense of relaxation, I'm kind of a little uncomfortable, slightly unpleasant. So that's calibrating. The third type is searching. And this is more associated with negative feelings. So it's unpleasant restlessness and you're actively searching for ways out of being bored. And this is what I would characterize as my kids when they would come to be mommy, mommy, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. Go play. And my, my response over the years turned into if you come and tell me you're bored, I will solve that with a chore. Cause I, I really wanted them. Yeah. I do. wanted them to learn, but it didn't really work the way I intended it to, because my kids would really get stuck and they were uncomfortable and they were doing what they could to immediately get out of the discomfort yeah. and going to a chore. Wasn't the solution. It took me a long time to figure this out. <laughs> I really stuck with that for a while. Um, number four is reactant boredom. This is the highest of the negative emotions related mm-hmm. to boredom which is interesting because it's not the fifth, it's the fourth. But um, a person having reactive boredom has a strong motivation to escape the boring situation and avoid anybody that's responsible for creating the boredom. So if you think of bosses. Michael Scott. (laughs) Conference room, right? It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. Or even teachers. If if a, a student sees a teacher and they're anticipating going into a classroom and it's perceived to they know it's going to be really, really boring. boring. They will literally, yeah, escape, right? Yeah. So it's that, um, what can I do to get out of this? Okay. And 
it's really important to keep this in mind because sometimes that's at the core root of a problem that a child's experiencing at school or you might be experiencing in the workplace. So finding ways to tolerate that or to circumnavigate it Mm -hmm. can really be helpful. I know when I was a kid, I found this when I would go to church because it was so, it was the same thing every time. It was so repetitive. Mm -hmm. There was nothing interesting in my mind. And I remember like I would count like the tiles on the floor. I would count the number of people wearing a certain color. I remember I was so bored once I counted the number of teeth in my coat zipper. I just like, I just kept counting all the different little teeth. And my sister and I used to like spell out letters on the pew in between us and write words. And my, and my dad would give us that look like, and and then it was like, like, no, like we weren't disturbing anyone, but we weren't focusing. So it's that reactive is you're doing what you can to get out of it. You're actively looking for a way away from it. And then the last is apathetic boredom. Oh, and this is actually seen as the the most negatively impactful, even though you're not feeling strong negative emotions. It's described as low arousal and lack of positive or negative feelings. It's a feeling of helplessness or depression. Oh, so you're really, really like just like not motivated to yeah. do anything, but also not motivated to think about how to get out of it. So I, I think the depression descriptor there really hit for me to, to connect to it. So it's a lack of a, a motivation to engage in the environment. Okay. So it's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. Come on, let's go do something. No. Right. So it, it's, it's, it's very negative in terms of not having any emotion, not having any energy to engage. Okay. So that one's called apathetic. Okay. So those are the different types of boredom, but let's talk about some strategies to mitigate boredom or to tolerate it maybe a little bit more easily. So the first strategy is to identify activities that interest you. So my favorite thing, you know, I love a menu yes. would be to create a, a, a boredom menu, like boredom busters and create different lists, different categories of things that will entertain you and get you out of boredom. They could be tech things. They could be exercise. It could be getting out in nature. It could be calling certain people that, you know, you know, like really like engage your brain and it makes it fun and interesting. Um, could be hobbies that you enjoy reading, you know, anything that will get you into something that you're interested in when you're bored, expecting your brain to think of those things is a, is a tall order. It's really helpful to have them already identified. So now your brain can just go look and pick instead of got to think of something, especially if you think about those low energy ones, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. If you already made a list of things, you know, you like, it makes it easier to tap into it. So that's the first strategy. Next is maybe if you have to do something boring, inject some interest. So kind of like what I talked about at church, you know, having like those options for like a long car ride where you play the license plate game or the, you know, I spy or, you know, different things. Um, Maybe if you have to be on a, a long like call where it's just like, maybe it's like a, a meeting where everybody's on the same call and you've got to listen, you can't get off, but you can turn off your camera and you can walk while you're listening or something that's going to engage your brain. So you've got some interest. Um, maybe you play a different music playlist when you clean something that's mm-hmm. energizing. Um, you know, my example is I always love new pens with different colors. So if I have to write something I'm not very interested in, that pen can make it sparkly enough to get Super me into spark. it. A timer. So you're racing the clock can be interesting. Um, or just, you know, even going a new way. If you think about, I drive this way to the store every single time. I don't want to go to the store. Oh, but maybe I'll drive through this neighborhood and, you know, connect route. that way and, you know, and just see something new or see 
there was a house that was being built. Like I, anything that my brain's like, Oh, I wonder if that's done. Or I wonder if anybody is um, having a yard sale this weekend, mm-hmm. whatever. I'll, I'll just, you know, kind of look for something interesting to spice it up a little bit. The third, Oh, I wrote down the episodes here, Becca. The third strategy oh. is ICNUP. I-C-N-U-P. So episode six is where I first talked about ICNUP and episode 56 is where I shared um, the ICNUP menu that I created. Um, so remember ICNUP is I is interest, C is challenge, N is novelty, U is urgency, and P is passion. All right. Next strategy is to use boredom to jumpstart creativity. So this is leaning into boredom because remember, we don't want to expect ourselves to never be bored. That's not realistic. We're always going to have to stand in line or, you know, whatever it is that, that we can't always avoid it. So use boredom to jumpstart creativity, meaning instead of a reason to look at phones or screens, which tends to be our go-to because it's so accessible and convenient. So it's like, now I'm standing in line and I'm bored. Let me look. Use it to spark creativity. So maybe allow yourself to daydream, allow yourself to, you know, just kind of think about things. Um, They say that taking a shower, which is kind of boring because you're doing the same thing, which, so it can be pretty boring, but that studies show that 72% of people report experiencing new or interesting ideas while showering. What? Yeah. So even if you think about just going for a walk, but not kind of listening to a podcast or a book on tape or getting on a call, just going for a walk, you'll have ideas that will come to you because your brain is not fully occupied. So you're kind of, you know, you're bored, but but bored in a creative way where your brain's like seeking and making connections that can allow you to tap into creativity. Interesting. Um, another is just allowing yourself to daydream because if you're not filling your time, your brain has time to actually be creative and think about things. So it activates the brain. One strategy, and I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I have a real aversion to this idea, but I'm putting it out there because I know a lot of people that have told me that this is a strategy that has worked for them schedule time to be bored. So intentionally it's like building up a muscle to be able to tolerate it. If you struggle with boredom, it, it can feel very, like we can get really agitated when we're bored. Mm -hmm. Learning how to tolerate it is like literally supporting your future self because you're building that muscle. So when you come across having to wait in a doctor's office and it Mm -hmm. says no cell phones a lot or whatever, and you're just like, Oh my gosh. When will I this end? <laughs> yeah. So having a strategy will allow you to tolerate it. So it might be, you know, meditating for a few minutes or, you know, doing something that allows your brain to slip into a daydream. So remember boredom can be painful or it can also provide opportunities to be creative. So if you have other strategies beyond what I've shared, I'd love it if you post it in the comments for this episode. This again is episode number 94. And we'd love to hear it because there's lots more ideas out there. We're a very creative bunch. So please share what works for you to manage boredom. All right, let's do a quick recap. I started off with the celebration around exercise when sick and even that yoga with Adrian had an episode devoted just to exactly that, how to, how to do something to support yourself when you're sick. And then the ADHD friendly tool, the boat and totes, where I shared the, the lovely little, um, tiny little, what I forget what it was called now. Um, the little, the small boat and totes zip pouch. I thought it was, I thought it was something more interesting. (laughs) All right. That's all right. I love you. You know, you can only do so much. (laughs) It's adorable. The little boat and totes, um, 
the mini zip pouches are only $19.95 in seven different colors. Um, I don't know if I'll have every single one, but I want at least two more of them. And then my topic today, boredom and ADHD, where we talked about why it's more impactful for people with ADHD brain wiring, the five different types of boredom, as well as some strategies to be able to tolerate boredom with a little bit more ease and also to get out of it. If it's really uncomfortable to find, you know, make a list of things that, you know, interest you so that you can get out of it more easily when you are bored. Next episode, Becca, we are like in believe it or not, back to school time. Oh my gosh. I know, but I'm going to specifically back to school. Literally could be like a whole like class. I could do a whole course for different age groups. There's so many details, but for this episode, I'm going to be highlighting specifically college students and particularly first time college students. So going off to going off to college. My youngest is going to college and I'm just going to, it's very sparkly for me right now. So I'm just going to share how excited I am to share some tools that I use with my college students um, myself when I'm working with them, when I'm coaching them and um, going to share them with you. So if you have a college student in your life or you're a college student yourself, tune in to get some tips and hints for things to make that transition more ADHD friendly. That's all for this episode. Remember, take what works for you, leave behind what doesn't. I invite you to check out my website, ADHDfriendly.com to get lots of resources, lots of ideas for things to support your brain with more ease. Until next time, tally how.